now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Hey, we're finishing up a series today called Artificial Intelligence. And I've, I've enjoyed um, kind of going through this, having a conversation with ChatGPT and artificial intelligence. Um, just, you know, somebody that's just like me with artificial intelligence. And so we've had, carried on some good conversations. And, and, uh, and it was birthed out of a, me just reading through the New Testament, through the gospel specifically, and just going, you know, there's a lot of people who thought they had something figured out, but in reality, they really didn't have it figured out. It was artificial intelligence. And with all this stuff with AI going on, I just kind of use the two. And so we've been asking AI some questions to kind of see what he, she, they, whatever AI goes by, um, what they thought about it. And so this week, I just asked, what are some great principles to build my life around? And you saw the prompt as it kind of gave some answers there in the video that Luke created. But as a pastor, I have the unique opportunity to do a lot of premarital counseling. And so as I do premarital counseling, um, there's a lot of young couples that'll come to me and they're wanting to start their marriage off right. You know what? They, they really want to. They want to make sure that uh, maybe they grew up in two different churches and, and uh, they wanted to kind of find a place to call home. And so they've chosen charity to be that place. And so they'll come and I'll get to do their premarital counseling. And, and they just really want to establish their marriage in a good way. They want to build their life, build their marriage on something good. And they'll do that. And another place where we see people that'll do that is when they have a child maybe their first baby, they'll, they'll want to make sure they get in church and they start to do the things that they ought to do uh, to raise that child the way they ought to raise that child. And then maybe somewhere along the way, they have a major crisis. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a death. Maybe something goes off the rails in their life and they say, you know, we need to get back in church. We need to get our, our faith firmly founded back in the things that are important. But also, I see people fall off the rails. I see people go away from church. And one of the times that I see that happen the most is when adults get their children grown and the kids move out of the house and they go, you know what? We've kept the kids in church. We did what we should have done then. And now we're kind of free and, and they just kind of lose their way when it comes to their faith. And so when it comes to building our lives, I think there's some things that all of us would agree we'd like to have our lives grounded and founded on something that's meaningful, something that's lasting, something that will withstand the tests that are coming our way. And some of the things that people will do is they'll, they'll believe if they're going to build their life on something firm, they'll want to have a good education. A lot of couples, you know, they want to wait till they're done with their education before they settle down and get married. Or maybe it's got to have a good job, some good income, got to make sure I can take care of my family. Maybe it's a, a nice house and got to have a good family. And this is something that we want to establish as good stability. But all of us, wouldn't we like that last one, that financial stability? Wouldn't you just like to be independently wealthy and you just know you've got that together? And some people like, man, if I could just have that, we would be firmly grounded in everything. And then what we'll also do is we'll throw Jesus in there, we'll throw God in there, we'll throw religion or church, we'll put that in there as well. But the problem that Jesus was dealing with, something we're gonna look at today, is a lot of people had this superficial life built upon Jesus Christ. And in Luke chapter six, um, we have the shorter version of the Sermon on the Mount. If you wanna get the longer version, Matthew five, six, and seven, Matthew five, six, and seven, Matthew recorded a longer version on the sermon, of the Sermon on the Mount. Luke gives us a short one. Some people call this one the Sermon on the Hill because it's not quite as long. It's not, uh, Luke didn't record as much of it, but they both come down to the end 
and share with us a very important story or a parable that Jesus uh, told them. And here's what it says in Luke 6, 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? And you don't do what I tell you. Now, listen, this has always kind of confused me. I don't know about you, but when I see when, when we find out that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, right? And we look at that, and then Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he uses this phrase basically a couple of times. And one here, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? This word, Lord, I just did a, a, a word study on it this week to kind of wrap my head around the differences in those two contexts. And this same word, it's a, it's a little Greek word called kurios. And the word kurios was attached to a slave and a master. And so a, a slave would call his master Lord. And it means that um, I understand that you are my owner and you have authority over me. So it, it carried with it a certain level of weight. But over time, this word had become a word of flattery. It really had no distinct um, meaning of deep commitment. There was no deep commitment to it. And so Jesus was kind of playing on to what they were doing with this word, and they were using it more or less as a word of flattery. He says, why do you flatter me by calling me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that I tell you to do? Why is it that you confess maybe me as Lord with your mouth, but your heart is not in it. You're not really on board. You're not really showing what it means to confess me as your real Lord. You're doing it with just words of flattery. Have you ever known anybody like that? They respect you to your face and they walk out and they treat you with disrespect. You've had maybe your kids have acted that way at times. Probably maybe it was just mine. I don't know. But, but it's words of flattery. And so Jesus was kind of going, your words of flattery are not going to get you by. It's going to take more of a meaning of this word Curious, because what we know is they had the right words, but they didn't have the right works. Their words and their works did not measure up to one another. They were not in sync with one another. And so if you go back to Matthew, in Matthew's record of this uh, conversation and this, this Sermon on the Mount, here's what Jesus said according to Matthew chapter 7. He says, on that day, talking about the day of judgment, Many will say to me, curios, curios. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Many will say to me, words of flattery. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And did we not do many works in your name? Many mighty works in your name. God, we, Jesus, we did all of these things according to Lord, Lord. But Jesus looks at them and says, I, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In, order, in other words, Jesus had just spent a great deal of time going through what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And if you read through there, what Jesus was laying out, he was laying out that those of us who are followers of Jesus, living according to the kingdom of heaven, according to the kingdom of God, there are certain ethics that we should be following, that there are certain things that we should be living up to. He's like, you got somebody that persecutes you, pray for them. You've got some money, be generous with it. You have some enemies, you love your enemies. You give to those in need. You pray for those who persecute you, merciful to those who probably don't even deserve 
your mercy. He said, stop judging people according to a standard that you're not willing to be judged by yourselves. He said, if you're anxious about stuff, just stop it. Just stop being anxious about things. And he goes through all these things and saying, man, I just, there are some things that you as followers of Jesus should be living up to. There are some principles that you and I should just be going by. And we should just live obedient to those things because the evidence of being a follower of Jesus is found more in what you do than in what you say. Because there are a lot of people who say, Lord, Lord, but they're doing it as just words of flattery. They show up on Sunday morning, they raise their hands, Jesus, look at me, I'm worshiping you, and then they go out and they don't live by the standards and by the ethics that Jesus had just laid out for them in the Sermon on the Mount. And so he wants us to know that a true disciple is someone who takes on the character and the priorities of Jesus Christ. You hear us talk about this a lot around here as we talk about disciple making, helping people lead people to know Christ and grow in their relationship with him, taking on the character and the priorities of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus tells this parable and he says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. In other words, I want to illustrate to you what it looks like to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, one who is committed to the priorities and the characteristics of Jesus Christ. He said he's like a man building a house who dug deep and he laid a foundation on the rock. You're blessed today because you get to see, once again, my artistic abilities. Now, this is going to be a second grader house, okay? Is that okay? We've been in SummerSlam, and so uh, this is going to be a second grader house, but this is the, the best I can do for you. So he's saying, I've got to, I want to illustrate to you what it's like for somebody who hears these words of mine and goes out and do them. He's like a man who's building a house. Now, if you were going to build a house, you wouldn't want to go to an architect like me because you would want doors and windows, but they charge you a lot extra for those things. So I'm going with the cheap house, okay? But he was saying, he's like this man who's building a house who dug deep to lay the foundation on the rock. Now, if you do have somebody building a house for you, you want to make sure that they do the foundation correctly, right? And so in this case, what Jesus is saying is there are some who need to make sure that when they build their house, they're building this house on Jesus Christ as the firm foundation. That's what Sean was reading to us from the Psalms about how important it was. The psalmist recognized that we need to have this, this firm foundation. Psalm 18.2 talks about the same thing. The Lord is my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. He's my God. He's my rock in whom I take refuge. A few days ago, I went up to north of Boone, and on my way up there, I went off the parkway, and I went on this, this hike. It's about a five-mile hike. I just wanted to kind of clear my head, get into the into to God's creation and just kind of prepare myself for what I was going to be doing over the next 48 hours. And I was going to be doing some, some sermon prep. And so while I was walking this, this trail, um, I noticed that there was a lot of rock formations and I had this message on my mind and I noticed this one particular rock that it, that it kind of protruded out over the trail. I was like, man, if a storm came up, that would be a great place to get. And that's what the psalmist was talking about, a place where you could take shelter a place that you could find this fortress to help you when you have to endure a storm. And a wise builder knows the importance of the rock. So as this guy's building this house, he knows that he's got to build it 
on a rock. And Jesus is saying, that's what it's like to obey me. You, you don't just flatter me with your words. You actually build your life on Jesus Christ as the firm foundation because a good foundation is the key to stability, right? You need stability in your marriage? Take it back to the rock. That is Jesus Christ. You've got to know the importance of having him as the one who sustains everything. You want to have a good marriage? Go look at what, what Paul wrote for us in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Meaning that if you want to have a healthy marriage and your marriage kind of gets rocky, hits some, hit some storms, you got to go back and say, am I loving my spouse the way that Christ loved and loves the church? You want to raise your children to obey the Lord and to, um, you know, to, to serve him and to, to love him and to make their faith real, then make sure that you're building your children's lives upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. You want to make sure, if you've got a career, if you've got a job, if you're a boss over people, then you need to make sure that you're treating them the way that Jesus Christ says to treat those. You've got people who are rulers over you, you need to treat them the way Christ says to treat them. All of these things, it's building your life upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. That's where the security lies. But this wise builder also, he digs deep until he gets down to the rock. It's not easy. It is not easy digging down and getting to that firm foundation. But there are so many Christians who just kind of float through life, and they come across something, and they go, oh, whoa, 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 what do I do in this, this situation? And then they try to dig. And at that point, the storm's already there, and it's hard to dig in a storm, right? But those who are firmly establishing, this, this particular builder, he dug until he found the firm foundation. There are so many layers of his life that stand between us and that firm foundation that we've got to get through. Sometimes it's pride. And sometimes pride will keep us from digging and saying, you know what, my, my life is not anchored the way that it needs to be. I've been living this superficial Christian life for far too long, and pride sometimes will stand in the way. Worries of life will get in the way. Bad teaching can get in the way. Other things, time constraints. I just don't have time to commit myself to, to digging into the word of God and, and finding out what I need to know about these things. But once you get to that rock, you're gonna know it. You ever been digging in the yard and you found the rock when you, you know, it's that where you've got the shovel in the ground and you do that leap where you want that shovel to just go down deep? Am I the only one who has hyperextended a knee doing this? You know, you just, you jump and it was already on that firm foundation. You go, oh, I found it. <laughs> and so now you're trying to just dig. You find it. You find where that, that solid rock is. And when you get there, you're going to know it. And a wise builder, when he gets there, he builds on it. He builds on that rock. And what Jesus was saying, listen, this is more than words of flattery. This is not just saying superficially, Lord, Lord, and your life look nothing like a follower of Jesus Christ. You look at your life the way that Jesus says, look at your life. You see your relationships through the eyes of Jesus. You speak words through the filter of Jesus's words. You love your spouse the way that Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her. You spend your money as though it was passing through the hands of Jesus. When Tom was telling that story, I was thinking, man, what a great illustration. Most of those kids that were bringing in all that money, 
The reason they were so happy about it, it wasn't their money. They were spending your money. And we could get more excited about giving money if we understood it's not our money. It's his money. He has given us an opportunity to spend it and to give it and to bless people with it. And so I thought that was a great way to see that. It's just that they were happy about it because it wasn't theirs and we could be joyous about it because we got to realize it's not ours either. But when we start to do those things, we realize that we are building upon the rock that is Jesus Christ. And he goes on and he says, and when the floods arose, we've seen some of that recently, haven't we? When the flood arose, the storms broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. And some of us are thankful today for a well-built house because of what the torrential rains that we've dealt with over the last week or so. But there were people who discovered leaky roofs. They discovered that they got water underneath their house because maybe it was something going on and it exposed some poor, um, a poorly built home. But in the end, a wise builder is going to be happy with the results. Because when the waters came, when the, when the floods rose, when the, when the rain beat down, this house was firmly found, founded because it was on a firm foundation. And a life built on Jesus is not a failure. There are going to be people that will look at your life and go, why would you do that? Why would you spend so much time and energy in that? It doesn't make sense. Listen, your life, when it is built upon Jesus Christ, it will not be a failure. But there was another guy but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. So house number two, really this house probably looked a lot like the other house. You know, the slanted roof there a little bit, but it, was, it looked a lot the same. I mean, on the outside, on the surface, everything looked the same, but the difference in these two was this house was built on sand, and that's the best sand I can do. But he said, it's like a house built without a good or a firm foundation. This house over here was built on all kinds of other things. Some of the things that we talked about, it was built upon a career, basically. I can't remember how to spell. It's built on a career. Maybe it was built upon, um, you know, just give me enough money. That's all I need. I just got to have enough money. Maybe there's some pride in there. You know, I've got this figured out. I, I know how to do this. Maybe there's other things, and you can just fill it in with whatever you would say. Man, people have built their houses upon things that will not last. Things that are what we would call shifting sand. And when the storms came, we're going to find out what happened. But this foolish builder disregarded the need for the rock. All they're interested in is how does it look? How does my house look? Not how well established is it? I just want to make sure that when you see my family, we look good on Instagram. That when you see my life, that I'm the envy of everybody else. But in the end, is that house firmly established on the rock, or is it just on shifting sand that will not withstand the storm? There may be belief in the rock, but there's a disregard in the importance of the rock. And we see many Christians, that's what these these people were doing, he was saying, you say to me, Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things I tell you to do. You don't do the hard stuff. You're wise in your own eyes, and you make foolish decisions. You know, Peter talked about this. He went later on when Peter was dealing with the, uh, with the, with the Pharisees, the elders, the chief priests. He says, listen, you've neglected the cornerstone. 
That's the one that you rejected. And that's the one that you need to be establishing your life upon. But a foolish builder also builds before the foundation has been established. They build too quickly. They built based upon cosmetics and not concrete. They want to make sure everything just looks good, but they're not making sure that it's well established. You can't begin building when you should be digging. You can't build upon something unless you've dug deep enough to do the hard work. You can't establish your marriage unless you spend time making sure your heart is where it needs to be. You can't restore your marriage unless you make sure your heart is where it needs to be. You're trying to raise a family, you've gotta do the hard work of establishing that foundation in Jesus Christ. And everything that we build in this life must be firmly planted on Jesus Christ. But another thing, a foolish builder builds without a solid foundation. They just build it upon whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever feels good, whatever looks good, whatever makes me look better in the moment, that's what I'm gonna build my life upon. But then finally, a foolish builder will be disappointed with the results. In this end, this house came to ruin. This house was destroyed, and Matthew describes it as a great fall. I think Luke even does as well, just talks about it being a great fall. You've seen these pictures of these houses that are built on the edge of these of cliffs, but they're not built on a firm foundation over in California, overlooking the ocean, and these torrential rains come, and the, the ground begins to shift, the mudslide happens, and these beautiful multi-million dollar homes just fall off the edge of a cliff. That's a picture I get. Great is its fall. All the time, all the money, all the effort, all the attention to the looks did not pay off and does not pay off in the end. He did his best, but failed to do what was best. And that's what we need to do because here's what happened. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Here's what I know about your life and my life. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you know what's coming? Storms. Storms are coming. I mean, you're gonna, one of these days, wake up, you're gonna go to the doctor and they're gonna tell you that you've got an incurable illness. What are you gonna do? Maybe it's a loved one that has an illness. How are you gonna handle it? How are you gonna deal with that storm of life? Maybe, you know, you, you build all these years to your retirement, you build your 401k up, you've got all this money waiting on you to retire and all of a sudden, a recession happens, another storm. Another storm blows up and there's just not enough money to do what you thought. And so you're under this level of financial stress. But if your house is built upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, the solid rock, you can withstand these storms. No matter what, how they strike, no matter when they come, you can withstand these storms. I don't care if you're a believer or a non-believer, you're going to have storms. Maybe you're here one day and all of a sudden you get that phone call and somebody that you know has death. They have died. I was standing in the foyer this morning, somebody walked in the door, told me a story about their son-in-law committed suicide this week. Unexpected. His daughter, who's a freshman in college, found her dad. How are you gonna deal with that storm? How are you gonna handle that one? Maybe you're in a marriage and you thought everything was great 
And then all of a sudden you picked up his phone one day and there were some text messages to somebody. And all of a sudden you discover that your husband or your wife has been having an affair. They've been cheating on you. And so all of a sudden your marriage is falling apart and you don't know what to do. It's another storm and they strike in the least expected times and they, they strike when you may not feel prepared for it. But listen, no matter if you're a follower of Jesus or not, storms are coming. They are on their way if you're not already in one. And the way that you have your life established on the rock or on the sand will make all the difference in the world. You can say all you want to, Lord, Lord, but if your life is not anchored in Him, they are only words of flattery. And we have far too many Christians walking around flattering Jesus with their words. And their lives are nothing like Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying, listen, your words of flattery mean absolutely nothing to me. What matters to me is how well your life is established upon the rock and how you live out the things that Jesus has told us to live out. Because words of flattery are no substitute for works of obedience. You've got to do the hard work. You've got to do the things that will get you through the storms of life. And words alone will mean nothing. Your worship words mean nothing if your heart is not worshiping God in the midst of the storms. And maybe you're here today and you have been living this life. Your, your whole life is established upon religion, upon a baptism that happened to you when you were an infant, upon your mom and dad or your grandma's faith. Your life is established on, on faith that is not your own. And you've been living your life with all of these superficial, sandy foundations. And every time a storm comes, you wanna give up on life. And today, you need to come and you need to establish your life upon Jesus Christ, the cornerstone that we're about to sing about. And put your faith and your trust and your hope in Him. Faith in Jesus Christ. All of that laced upon Him. All of your hope on Him. All of your belief on Him. And not on yourself, not on your career, not on your family and how well your family's doing. It's all upon Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's what'll make all the difference in the world. So where are you? Where are you? Are you living with an artificial intelligence thinking that it's all okay? And then the next storm that comes along, great will be your fall. Let's stand together. If you're here today and you are ready to establish your life upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, I would love to invite you to this altar. I would love to invite you down here to pray with one of us. I would love to invite you to our guest VIP room to talk with us after the service. But take that step. Begin that hard dig that you need to begin. Father, we love you today. Thank you so much for loving us. Even when we are unlovable. We thank you that while we were dead in our trespasses and sin, Jesus Christ died for us so that we could establish our life upon him. So my prayer today is 
that there's one or many that need to put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, today would be the day of salvation for them. Help them to say yes to you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.